This is a Drive to Succeed podcast where we feature inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, influencers, and seasoned professionals to help you jumpstart your career and your entrepreneurial journey. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. It's been a really interesting journey and I can't believe we are now on episode 07. By the way, if it's your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. As always, every week my gift to you is to bring you valuable content that inspires you to take action and take your business or your career to the next level. And in this episode, I had the opportunity to meet Shiba Kichlu, an inspirational speaker, a poet, and a licensed kinesiologist, and also the founder of her own business, which is called Inner Reflections. And in this episode, we deep dive into her own life story and learn what she has to say for those of you people, especially women, who have been bullied during their childhood. Learn what she has to say for those of you who didn't have a voice in your workplace. And for those of you who didn't have a chance to prove themselves for their God-given abilities, for your gifts and your talents. And for those of you who are struggling to find your own identity and your inner self-worth. Without further ado, please welcome the one and only Sheba Kichlu. Welcome back to the Drive to Succeed podcast. We have a very inspiring woman guest in the show, Ms. Sheba Bashir Kichlu. Thanks for being here. Hi and welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, so I believe the first time we met was during one of the trainings we went uh, together with uh, Andy Harrington's. And then we, we, did, yeah. we met again with Spencer's event. Yes. Which interesting, you were sitting beside my wife by that time then. Yes, I remember. Yeah, awesome journey we've been on, right? Yes, and uh, now we're here and uh, having a conversation. Yeah. Um, so basically for the first time listeners who doesn't know you, who is Sheba basically? Well, I'm an inspirational speaker. Um, I'm also a poet. I'm an artist of words. Um, I love poetry. Words are just, they just come out of me and they flow for me. I feel really passionate about creating metaphoric words. I do inspirational speaking. I speak about inner worth, self-peace, all these amazing, powerful virtues. And I'm also a kinesiologist, so I work with the body's natural energy system. And I'm the founder of my brand called Inner Reflections, which is a celebration of heart and mind alignment. So before it all started, I, I, cause just you know, sitting in front of you, I can yeah. feel a lot of energy. <laughs> we're we're going to have a lot of content and valuable uh, you know, piece of content to, to our listeners today. Yeah. I wanted to know really, how did you uh, start in this journey? Um, you know, walk us through uh, during your childhood or perhaps mm-hmm. um, your corporate life before you're doing all of these things. Sure. So basically, you can tell from my accent, I am a British girl. I was born and bred in London. Um, so basically, um, a long time ago, my parents from India and Pakistan, they came to the UK. And I was born in the UK at a time in the early 70s, you know, when it was really kind of still vibing and hippie. Um, and I've grown there all my life. I've educated there. I did my degree there, my master's there. 
Um, and I really evolved my ideology, my belief systems, my culture from the UK. My mother is from Pakistan. My father is from India. Um, so it's an interesting mix in there. Absolute clash of worlds in a beautiful way. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, I'm very passionate about my culture. It means a lot to me. Obviously, I'm a Muslim woman too, um, born and raised. And I'm very much a Brit, you know. I was living in Battersea, born in Chelsea. I'm a South London girl. Um, yeah, so UK has been my home all my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, what, what's your background? How did it all start? If you mentioned, uh, you know, before uh, we, we start recording, yeah, you, you mentioned working in a retail outlet and yeah. you, were, you don't have any experience. Walk us through that. That's right. So in the UK, when you turn 16, you can legally work. And, you know, my parents were modest backgrounds. My father was working. My mother was also working. And I grew up, my parents grew me up to be very confident and to believe in myself. And I thought, you know what, I'm 16 years old. I really want to get a job. I want to get some pocket money. So that's when I realized, okay, where do I want to work? And I had my eyes set on this beautiful shop with sparkling lights. It's a huge, massive retail organization in the UK. Um, The number one actually in the world, one of the biggest shops. And I just walked in and I thought, you know what, I'm going to fill out the application form. I'm just going to go for this. I can do this. And I believed in myself. I trusted myself. Um, And I walked into this interview and I remember the lady saying to me, you do need retail experience. You know, we are the most prestigious retail brand shop in the world. And I said to her, you know, give me a chance. Let me get into the interview and we'll take it from there. And it was kind of a life changing moment for me. I was 16 years old. Um, You know, I was a skinny little girl. You know, I'd come in my black uniform and it was just the lady trusted me and believed in me and gave me the job there and then. And I think that was when my journey of self-belief and trusting in myself really started. Mm-hmm. And you were 16. I was 16 of. years old. Um, and it was an opportunity of a lifetime because when you're in these environments, it's all life. It's You're on the ground. You're serving people. You're learning engagement. You are, in, you know, you are meeting diverse backgrounds of people. You've got a target. You're on the floor. I worked in several departments. I was there for several years. It really gives you evolution. In confidence, in personal growth, all of these wonderful things that you need to learn, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, do you consider yourself maturing early during that age? I would say definitely so. You see, when I, even when I was in primary school, though, I was quite mature for my age. Um, and I would say that was a gift, really, um, not a bad thing. Just It was just something that I had. And with the development that I had in this organization that I was working for on, on Saturdays, because it was a Saturday job, which also became a summer job, it, you know, it puts you in a place where you do grow up in a good way. You strengthen your personal skills, your interpersonal skills, your soft skills, your ability to engage, to convince to negotiate, to take on targets, and really to take on challenges and responsibilities, but also self-manage yourself as well. So all the amazing stuff that you would learn through many, many years of your life. I had a crash course when I was 16, you know, took me on a journey. Understood. And um, because when I was 16, you know, my world is very small. I, yeah. I, I don't think maybe much, as much much mature as you, but um, what, what were you thinking by, by, by the time then? You know, why, why did you decide to start working? I mean, some people will say, oh, you're 16, you're so young, just enjoy, you know. Because look, the bottom line was with me, I was legally allowed to work and I wanted to earn pocket money. 
It was important to me to have my own spending money to choose and make choices myself. And I didn't really want to burden my parents. That's the truth. I knew it would be difficult for them. And I didn't want to put them under the pressure that, you know, they had to give an extra £10 or an extra £20. And they brought me up to believe you can do what you want. And it's, you know, and they supported me in that. And they gave me that encouragement. And I knew I'd ha- I, at that time it was GCSEs going to start and A-levels. And I had my degree and my master's. And earning pocket money was was great. It was a fabulous way to just learn stuff and do stuff. So yeah, absolutely. That was my main reason why I wanted to do it. And what 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 is your dream job during the time then? Of course, it changes throughout the journey, but uh. it does. It does. So basically, what happened? I did my degree, and in that degree, I had a one year placement, and I had the opportunity to work in IT corporate, and that's when I had a taste for information technology. And I realized being a systems analyst and training in that field in my master's and my degree, I realized this is the area I want to work in. But I wanted specifically to work in sales, technical sales, and really kind of articulate um, the pre-sales process of negotiating, leveraging solutions, um, and really working with convincing and negotiating people to take the deal you know that was where my skill was really kind of interpersonal from a technical perspective and when you mentioned pre-sales are you working behind a desk a phone or is it face-to-face and I assume because um, technical support or you know the world of IT yeah maybe way back then yeah even until now I mean now it's a little bit more you know uh, being mixed with women yeah during those times I believe um, I mean woman doesn't have um, a say in the IT field mm-hmm. because there would be a little bit of sexism Absolutely, uh, you know, yeah. and a little totally. bit of discrimination yeah. like this is a man's playing field yeah uh, so you know how, how did it all started how do you manage to so I tell you when I was it was you know in the mid 1990s this is before um, this is before the year 2000 okay and there was a particular company I wanted to work for and they were enterprise solutions for information management and server technology and software solutions and bottom line was yes you did need to have experience to go there they wanted a minimum five years I'd finished my master's and I was being pushed very much down the graduate program so I didn't feel that was the right place for me I just felt it was just going to suck my energy and not give me the growth and the experience I wanted so by giving myself the chance to really go and apply for the roles where they were going to go you were going to go straight into a career role I thought you know what I'm going to try and do this so yes it is always challenging as a woman but one should never think oh I can't do this so when I got the interview the guy had already told me look we are looking for people with five years plus you've done this masters we like your dissertation it's incredible it's about a technology and the impact it has on social environments I want you to talk about that I want to hear what you have to say about it that got me in and then when he met me he loved my interpersonal skills to be honest when I got the feedback he said you were confident you believed in you had the guts to sit and face me and sell yourself. And that's what he loved. And in his heart, he knew he didn't have a graduate program for us, for me. He, they don't really take on women. But he took a chance, and I respect him for that, because he realized, okay, this girl, she's passionate. You know, she's willing to take risks. She's pushing herself. She's selling herself. She's done a fascinating project. We need her and we'll make a space for her. And they did. 
they gave me the job and I thought this is brilliant because I'd fast-tracked into the system at that time I was given the pre-sales um, role which is again working with potential clients to sell to them solutions that fit their technical problems and really allow myself to grow in that area which is pre-sales it's a really powerful area to work in a corporation so that was the beginning part of my journey and don't get me wrong yes I was the only female person in my entire team but I never saw that as a barrier and you know the guys they respected me for that but I was the youngest by far I was like 23 24 years old and a lot of the guys I'm working with are in their early 30s and late 40s so there is that gap and have you enjoyed doing it at that time, I loved it. It was an absolute journey of liberation and growth and personal skill development. Um, but what I can say and what I did experience was around the 2000-year project, you know, the year 2000, there was a lot going on in these companies where, for them, it was all about making sure there wasn't going to be a massive crash with all the hardware and all the wonderful stuff that was happening at that time. And what I did witness was something really sad. I did, I did actually witness a situation where um, my colleague committed suicide because after he had worked on the Year 2000 project, he was told he was no longer valuable and he couldn't handle it. And he killed himself. And that was devastating for, his, for the colleagues, but also for his wife and everybody else. And that's when I realised you know, there are some deep things going on with people. Um, Self-worth, inner peace, belief, trust. And what's the main lesson um, that you say you took out from that scenario or, you know, from that moment where you realized that depression is one thing that people should, you know, really be aware of? Yeah, I mean, you know, the truth is um, it was kind of very hard-hitting I've always been in tune with mental health. I've always been very connected with it, counselling my friends at university and just being there. This has all got to do with your self-worth. What do you value yourself to be? What are your core skills? Even if a company questions your worth, you should never allow anybody to define your self-worth. The tragedy was... This poor guy was trapped, you know, and he had his own struggles going on. But the truth is we have to, as human beings, not allow anybody def to define our self-worth. We, we should be able to have that liberation and control over ourselves to be able to say, you know what, I'm worthy and I'm, I, I know that I might not be right for you now, but I still have skills and I can do something else. For him, there was a disconnect. There were things going on. But it made me realize how much is really happening behind the scenes in these environments. There is a lot of, a lot of contention issues and a lot of things that you know, don't get discussed that are real problems going on. Mm -hmm. And is, is that also one of the reasons why you started Inner Reflections? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, back in 2003, I actually transitioned from that company. I went on to work for another company, which was a leader in information management. That was a game changer for me. Um, you know, my salary tripled. I had a brand new Mercedes Benz with God's mercy. I mean, I really had achieved financially a brilliant status, but something for me wasn't fulfilled. Um, I went on my own spiritual journey as well. And I, I didn't feel comfortable with the bullying mentality 
off that particular environment, I felt it was it was too cutthroat. And I saw the guys around me falling apart. I, I would often be counselling them in lunch breaks and they would be crying or there would be a lot of depression. And I thought, I need to do something more spiritual. I want to do something more creative, something feeding back to the, the you know, the community. So I transitioned out. Um, I was actually approached by a youth helpline in the UK to help with raising awareness about mental health, which I did. Amazing opportunity and charity and raising awareness about real subjects, about, you know, rape and suicide and all these things. Um, and, and have then, you undergone training um, with, uh, you know... Well, I did. I did actually do some counselling certification. I chose not to actually become a counsellor. I chose more to help leverage awareness and promote causes. And when I made the decision to chart, start my own company, which I did, a FAF Pure Reflections, um, I decided then that I wanted to focus on image perception and image ideology. And I created a fusion wear brand of East Meets West handicraft textiles clothing with um, you know, semi-precious jewels and jewellery to go with that to help women who wanted to look beautiful but didn't want to really feel exposed. And that's when I took the journey also to wear the hijab. I went on a spiritual enlightenment in my life and I really liberated with my, and connected with my religion and I saw the beauty in it. And I wanted to share that with people. And so very quickly in the UK, um, you know, I got a lot of attention. I got invited to speak at Cambridge University to speak about image perception. What does it mean? Let's ask some real questions. What does it mean, image, image perception? Image perception. So what I talk about, what I explore is, what's your definition of beauty? What is a person's definition of beauty? Does it have to be somebody wearing nothing? Or could it be somebody completely covered? Where is the beauty? And really redefining that, you know, is the beauty the heart? Is the beauty in the veil? Is the beauty in somebody covered? Isn't it beautiful that somebody can actually be completely covered and be so powerful? So I redefined that concept. And when I presented it to the audience, complete mixed bunch, they loved it because they, it opened their eyes to something completely new. And, you know, it was feeding me as well because I love to be able to change perceptions. That's what I now do. So that was incredible. Um, and then obviously been getting picked up by the media. A Mel magazine did a feature on me. That's a lifestyle magazine in the UK, Muslim Lifestyle Magazine. Um, and also being invited to speak on various shows in the UK was incredible. And just for me as an inspirational speaker in 2003, that's when my journey started on really storytelling and, and speaking about, you know, the power of modesty but as a universal concept. And this is before it all took off, because recently, obviously, it's a great, a huge movement. But we're talking about 2003 then, when it's still kind of, you know, Dolce & Gabbana are not doing it then, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned about inner reflections is all about celebrating heart and mind alignment. Yes. Yeah. So how does one person align their heart and their mind? So what I do now is I, because I'm a kinesiologist as well, so I work very much with the body's natural energy system. But what I've decided to, to really focus on now are some very powerful core concepts. Compassion, gratitude, forgiveness and patience. And working with those virtues really, really deep. And I'm talking about going really deep into the heart. Really 
working with self-worth and inner peace. And how we do that is we ask ourselves some real serious questions. We What type of questions do you ask? We, uh, you know, it's, it's really deep stuff. But for example, I'm able to kind of dig in a bit more into somebody's background and their childhood and start finding patterns where they can't let go or they have issues with forgiveness. And then I would ask them more about, okay, so what is it about that person or what is it about that circumstance that you can't, that you can't liberate, that you can't forget? And then another series of questions. Okay, so, oh, but this person did this to me and I do forgive them, but you know you, they, they're not forgiving them. So it's a series of questions I would ask somebody. I would look at their emotional response. I would look at emotional releasing that. I would look at creating affirmations for them until they get to a point where forgiveness is just with ease. It's just opening people's eyes using a series of questions. And, but, you know, to, but they have to allow me to dig deep. They have to allow me to open their heart, allow themselves to open their heart. So how does one open their heart? I mean, how, how do usually people find you? Do they find you through social media or is it through a friend that they recommended, um, you know, like work with Sheba, she knows how to, you know, un unlock or unearth those deep emotions. You know what, it's really fascinating you ask me this question because I get asked this a lot. Um, with the inspirational speaking I do, there seems to be some resonance. People like my voice. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the vibration of the tone of the voice, but people seem to resonate with my words. And then they come to me. And then they usually ask me what I do. And then all of a sudden, they want me to work with them. So that has been a really powerful thing. When I speak at audi with audiences, they automatically gravitate. It's just a blessing from God. Um, and then also, you know, through circles, through referrals, I talk at community projects, I raise awareness, I get invited to, to, to speak in, in personal, personal environments, you know, private gatherings, um, you know, and part, large, large public speak, speaking environments people see me and they connect and it's referrals as well you know I don't really go out there and advertise but with God's mercy and grace you know for some reason people kind of gravitate towards me and this has really been going on for a long time when I was in my university days often I would be the counsellor um, I do a lot of talk therapy with my friends and it's just a natural skill that I have and I've been able to kind of tap into finding little sticky points that people are hiding away that don't seem to get released when they do other balances with other practitioners or whatever. And I go with the basic virtues. It's nothing, it's not rocket science, but it's just finding where the nails have to be hammered. You know, it's just finding those little nuggets. Yeah. And you mentioned about um, self-worth a lot. Yes. And you mentioned um, that you're proud about your age. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about um, age and self-worth? You know, we live in a really troubling world right now. I think women especially are made to feel devalued when they have age. And personally, I think that's sad because I am all about liberation and believing your age is a reflection of your wisdom. Okay, your life challenges, your gray hairs are wisdom roots. I'm a great believer that we should be empowered by our age as women. We should never feel scared or embarrassed to say, I am 53, I'm 64, I'm 40. 
And I think there's just this culture and ideology in the world. Um, I don't believe in it. I, I say to people, I'm absolutely proud, um, you know, of my age. And I know you, do you want to ask me what my age is? Yes, I was about to ask. You can it. go ahead. So I was born in 1972. Mm-hmm. So I have just, and, my, and I'm born on the 31st of December. So a fantastic day to be born. Everyone is always <laughs> celebrating. Yeah. Um, so I've just turned 46 years old. Mashallah, alhamdulillah, I say. And I say that because, and people are like, oh my God, mashallah, you look 30. I didn't think it. And I'm like, but I'm mature, right? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I was trying to work it out. You've done all this and you're right. It didn't make sense. But I say, you know what? With God's mercy and grace, you know, I've lived a journey and I carry on living my journey and I'm, I'm fully liberated with that. And your age reflects how long you've lived on this earth. And wow, isn't that something to be grateful for? that you've had an opportunity to be here and survive, live your journey. You're going to have more life experiences than somebody who's 20, honey, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. True? And you're going to have your wisdoms from that. So celebrate that. And don't be scared of your grey hairs. Your grey hairs are there for a reason. You know, your chemistry is happening. (laughs) And it's a beautiful thing. It's a a beautiful thing. And I'm all about that. I think, you know, we we should learn to try and celebrate our wisdom roots (laughs) (laughs) i just think it's incredible but you know why not why not right yes um actually um, on the last episode that i had with spencer it was episode four oh yeah i know spencer yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) one thing that he discussed about um age is that it gives you maturity absolutely so you know uh, when you reflect your years that you live by you know totally it's it's totally different level than you were young then because let's say for now myself i'm 32 i feel yeah. like i'm still yeah i'm still old or still young yeah but uh when i when i compared it to others i guess it, it depends really on how you look on age and what's your perspective behind totally it and what are the experiences that make you mature absolutely um, it's a perception thing okay age is about perception it's what you perceive your age to be or what you perceive you believe ageism to be and that's all to do with your background your your references your ideologies your think patterns your belief systems blah 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 the truth is you know it's liberation and it's also the opportunity to celebrate wisdom and growth we there's no no one can ever say I'm 50 years old and I've never had a life experience. Of course you're gonna have had one, you know. But why pretend you're 35 for vanity purposes? You know, come on. I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, be truthful and yes. it's wonderful to have that. And obviously you're very you know self-aware about your your strengths, your weaknesses. I'm just really curious because you're so amazing. <laughs> oh, that's oh you are incredible, and I'm just. Thank you. Honored to be I mean, I'm here, saying it so on, on a sincere um, note. That's but really sweet. Thank you. I wanted to ask you, what is the worst failure that you encountered? And, you know, just walk us through about that. You know, um, when I was growing up, I was, a couple of things I mentioned. I was so skinny, so skinny. People used to call me names. They used to call me rickets. They used to say, oh my God, she's so skinny. Look at her legs and matchsticks. I used to grow up with people saying that to me all the time. And you know, when you're small, it it does hurt and you do feel the pain and you think, oh, you know, I'm so skinny and oh, I would do anything. You know, it's not a failure. I wouldn't say it's a failure, but you do start thinking in your heart, oh my God, you know, maybe I don't look right or, you know, it, it hurts you. 
And then as I grew up, I realized that in fact, my skinniness became my beauty. Because in my 20s, everybody wanted to be thin like me. They wanted long legs, they wanted long limbs, and all of a sudden I became this beauty. It just happened. And I thought this was what I would cry about when I was 12 years old. I would cry about it because people would be so mean, you know, but they didn't mean it. You know, it's kids, it's fine. And now I'm in my 20s and everyone's like, wow, you've got long legs and this and that, mashallah. And I think, isn't it amazing? In terms of failure, it's not a word I would use for this particular example I'm about to give you, but I would say gift. I would change it. I would change that word. I will call it gift. I went through a challenge in my life in 2012 mm-hmm. where I was trying to, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to conceive for my second child and it wasn't happening and there was no reasons. There was nothing medical um, and a lot of people would have seen it as a challenge, a failure, you know. And, you know, you have people around you saying, oh, my God, you know, it's a test and this and that. Everything in life is a trial. You know, I'm a faith believer and absolutely. But I can tell you that episode in my life transformed me as from, from a cellular level, but also from a deep belief level. I'm a trusting person in God and destiny, absolutely. But what I realized was I was I was hanging on to the needs and wants of what I felt I needed. I knew that I thought I needed to have another child. That was what I thought was my purpose. I needed my son to have a brother or a sister. I needed to feel worthy. I can have another kid. I'm going to be respected then by everybody and I need to do this. And for myself and for everybody else, of course. But there came to a time when I thought, you know what? I remember watching a program about the universe and about the space and I thought, you know what? The universe is amazing and for me, God is amazing and I am letting go. I am letting go of this failure that people want to put on me or the, the boxes people want to say, you, you're not having it because of this or, you know, keep going, keep going and beat yourself up. And I thought, no, I have the biggest gift and that is the gift of trust. I trust in my faith. I trust in my plan that God has given me and I am content. And that moment changed my life. And I'm a faith lover, of course, but it changed me at a cellular level and I let go. And that wasn't a failure. That was me saying, you know what? This is a gift that I now have and I don't need to be driving wants and needs and I don't, I'm letting go off the rubbish and the demands of what I need and what people need and what people want from me, I'm content. It so happened in that same month later on, I did end up conceiving my, my second son with God's mercy and grace. And I do remember and one of my friends. How old is he now? He now, the second boy is five years old, going to be six in May. And my first son is 10, going to be 11, inshallah, in June. But I remember somebody actually saying to me, wow, Sheba, you know, uh, you know, for example, God really listens to your prayers, whatever. And I said, no, you're wrong. You see, he always listened to my prayers. Every single time, whether you have something or you don't have something, you have to trust. You have to trust in the bigger picture. You have to understand things happen for a reason. Whether you have it or you don't have it, you've got to be grateful for it. Because not having it is gratitude. And having it is gratitude, right? Yeah. 
and that shifted, that changed everything. And that's when my journey of wellness started. And um, regarding wellness, is it more about mental wellness or is it about self-worth? What, what, what is it? I would say it's a combo. I would say more about self-worth, inner peace, really getting core with self-compassion, self-gratitude, forgiveness for others and yourself, and really understanding the virtue of patience at a deep, deep level. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, I'm just really curious as well, aside from all of this, um, obviously you're doing a lot of interviews you're interviewing people as well you have am, a, yes you have a fashion business you have a coaching business you're speaking as well um i'm just really curious as a mom or you know and, and with two kids what, what do you do for you know for fun I mean, for fun i tell you um my number one job absolutely number one is being a mummy That is my number one job and being a wife, of course. And the reason I say that is because that's where my heart is. Okay, um, for me, raising my children and giving them a role model, letting them see the power of growth for women, for mummies, for whatever. That is really, really important to me. So that's always my number one job. The inspirational speaking for me has really taken off because it's something I really powerfully resonate with. Um, so that's amazing. And I fit it in around my schedule, around the children, to be honest. In the morning, my kids are at school. So I do that a lot of the time. And when I pick them up, I'm busy with my kids. And then in the evenings, I carry on working. So you, what, you find ways, you know. When you are passionate about something, you find ways. There's always ways. Something I'm really, really um, into also is poetry. It's something that I do a lot of. Um, it comes really naturally to me. I'm an artist of words. So I do a lot of, um, you know, um, really kind of deep poetry pieces and bespoke poetry. So people approach me and say, look, I've got this subject. Will you do a piece for me? And I absolutely love it. And I, it takes me seconds. And I think it's a bit of a superpower that I have a gift, mashallah, because I never use apps. I don't use any particular... It just streams through me. I just magically get these words. And it's really powerful. I use it a lot of my speaking, my storytelling, and my um, my work, you know. I understood. And before my final question, um, where can people find you? So I have a website. It's www.inner-reflections.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, which is inner underscore reflections underscore by Sheba. And I have Facebook also, Inner Hyphen Reflections. I'll be having my YouTube channel soon, which will be Inner Hyphen Reflections by Sheba. And I will be having my podcast soon also, inshallah, <laughs> which will be Inner Reflections by Sheba. And it will have a sassy title. Yeah. Totally. We're really vibing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. Inshallah. So, so um, before my final question, I just wanted to acknowledge you for sharing your story, being, you know, brave and really just coming out of that skinny little girl and you know being an amazing person as you are right now and you know it's just too bad that people can't see you right now but um from my perspective you're really vibrant you're really authentic and your energy is just you know overflowing through this place you know between us oh that is so awesome thank you so much and i want to say that you know um it doesn't matter what you look like 
skinny, big, round, fat, it doesn't matter. You know, don't let anyone tell you what your worth is. Don't let anyone, this is the message I really want to give everybody, entrepreneurs, corporates, whoever they are, human beings, souls, people. Don't let anyone define your self-worth because, you know, you are unique. You know your gifts. Believe in what they are because that is your soul, you know. That's what your food is. That's what you can do. That's you and unique and you can go out and do anything with that. So self-worth is key, you know, and really, really believe in it. This is really powerful stuff. Um, you know, no, no juicing is going to give you that yeah. you know no <laughs> diet is going to give you that but it's true Keto diet. yeah yeah but this is this is we're talking deep stuff we need to believe more yeah we need to believe in ourselves right yes totally and so i assume you already know the format uh, my last question is yeah if everything is stripped away from you your business your speaking gigs your yeah. you know your wealth your status yeah and you need to start it all over again yeah what would be your main drive to succeed my main drive to succeed, if everything was taken away from me, would be purely to do something really deeply passionate in my heart that I believe in, okay? So it wouldn't have to be for monetary gain. You see, this is another thing. Um, we talk about, you know, it's, it's, it's a trend at the moment where we all we all talk about you got to do something you believe in. You've got to do something you believe in. You've got to do something you believe in. Of course you do. Absolutely. If you don't, you're wasting your life. Because entrepreneurship is extremely difficult. It's a grind, right? But I tell you, when you've got a gift, when you've got a passion and you're doing it, then it's like doing an amazing thing every day. But when you're doing something where you are giving, you're giving from the soul, you are feeding yourself on another level. You're keeping yourself well. You literally are doing that. You're like going through therapy on a daily basis. That is the soul. So if I had been everything stripped away, I would choose to fulfill my heart, to let that grow, and to let God and destiny take me where I need to go, but with the pure intention of giving. I mean, I have a quote. I have a, a powerful quote. You don't need a certification to be kind. You don't need an accreditation to give. You need pure intention from the heart. This is a powerful quote that I created. And the reason I say it is because, listen, heart stuff you can monetize as well. Everyone says, oh my God, how long, how long can you give, give, give? Guess what? You can also make money from giving if you need to do it. But do it from a pure place. Do it from somewhere where you will get that vibration of the good deed and everything else because the money will come as well with it you know what I'm trying to say um, and, th and that I think is a really really important message I want to be able to also share with your listeners these awesome people that are listening to your podcast is the butterfly would never have flown without the grounding of the caterpillar this is one of my quotes so I'll repeat it the butterfly would never have flown without the grounding of the caterpillar. The caterpillar is just as beautiful as the butterfly, okay? And you know, we hear loads of people saying, oh my God, the butterfly is gorgeous, the butterfly is gorgeous. Guess what? It's only gorgeous because the, the caterpillar, caterpillar was what it was. It's true, right? Yes. This is the whole thing about succeeding. 
and you started from the ground you need to crawl your way up and you know yeah and the ground is a beautiful place we need to be on the ground and the butterfly can't do anything without that so we we need more caterpillars we need more butterflies you know and we need to start celebrating that caterpillar <laughs> right yes absolutely all right um so i just wanted to say thank you so much sheba for sharing your journey with us and uh, listen to the next episode awesome stuff and thank you very much for allowing me to be here and sharing my experience thank you thank you as Jimron once said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're an individual who's looking for a group that understands you and would like to hold you accountable and support you in your growth, whether you wanted to increase your income, your impact, and your influence, I'm forming a mastermind group so that you can take your business and your career to the next level. If you wanted to know more details about it, please email me at danielfranciscopublic at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Francisco underscore. Daniel is spelled as D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E. Again, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E. Thanks again for joining us at the Drive to Succeed podcast. If you're enjoying learning from this podcast, you can show your support by sharing and rating this on iTunes or Stitcher and sharing it with your friends on social media and tag us on Instagram at the Drive to Succeed underscore podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. See you in the next episode.